So uh, in this series called Growth Habits, that we're calling it, uh, which is relevant to what Michelle was sharing before, uh, we're really asking the question, what kind of person am I or what kind of person am I becoming? So what are my habits leading towards? And also the second question is, well, what kind of community are we here or what kind of community are we becoming uh, based on the habits uh, that we have? Now, I just want to give a, a shout-out ahead of time. This may be uncomfortable, the message I'm about to share, because we're about to talk about money. So if you don't like talking about money in church, I encourage you not to switch off. I'd encourage you to maybe dial in and, and hear what God might want to say uh, today. So a question up front. If you and your immediate family sold everything you own right now, including the clothing that you're wearing, whether it's a car, whether it's a boat, house, everything that you own, uh, just do a quick calculation in your head for five seconds. How much do you think that might be worth? So every single thing that you own, shoes, socks, whatever, just have a guesstimate. Just, just think of a number. I'm not going to get you to shout it out. That would be inappropriate. But just have a think. Uh, we live, as we probably all know, in one of the most affluent parts of Melbourne here in Albert Park. Uh, to be sure, there is definitely homelessness in this area. There is definitely refugee housing uh, in this area. There is definitely housing commission buildings. So not everyone is affluent in this area, but on average, very affluent area. Uh, the average family income of this area is well above the poverty line, far above, in fact, the poverty line. If you calculated your family's net worth that I asked you before, uh, would be around $150,000, uh, then it might surprise you to know that you are richer than 90% than of the world's population right now. That if your net worth is $150,000, then you are in the top 10% of the world. Now, that might be good for you. You might feel good about that. If you calculated your net worth is around a million dollars, if you sold your house and everything else, then it may surprise you to know that you are richer than 99% of the world's population right now. And you might think, I'm not a Chinese billionaire. That may be true, but they're in like the top 0.0001% of the world's population. Now, I say this for a few reasons. First, a reality check. Uh, so often we, and myself included, talk about the next holiday that we're going to take, talk about the next car we want to buy, talk about the next thing that we want. Uh, and it may surprise us to know that the option of going on a holiday, the option of buying that car, the option of whatever the thing is, is not even an option for about 90% of the world's population. Uh, secondly, we get perspective as we kind of calculate these things. And thirdly, sorry, that's probably my son banging things. Thirdly, uh, we get an idea of responsibility. That if we are in the top 10%, then we have a responsibility to look after the needs of the bottom 90%. That if we've got the most money, then we have a responsibility to look after those who don't. Now, that may be challenging, but unfortunately, Jesus agrees with what I just said, that we have a responsibility and it's interesting to me, if you look at Luke's account of Jesus' life, so you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you look at Luke's account, Luke was a doctor, if you look at his account of Jesus' life, consistently he is going to be comparing two types of people. You can read all throughout his Gospels. He's going to be comparing uh, two ways of living as it relates to wealth. Over and over again, he compares these two people, and it's up on the screen. Those who are rich and those who Jesus will title rich towards God. So you've got those who are rich 
and those who are rich towards God. And so my question today is simply this. Are you rich and am I rich or are we rich towards God? And as a community, we're going to be cooler in a minute, as a community, uh, are we rich or are we rich towards God? So Josh in a second is going to put the passage up uh, behind us. So I'd encourage you to read along and then we'll talk about it a bit. So this is Luke 12, 13 to 21. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, so Jesus in the midst of a crowd, someone said to Jesus this, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied to this person, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Jesus said to him this, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And the appropriate answer or appropriate question here would be why? Why do we have to care about being on guard against all kinds of greed? Well, Jesus answers it. He says this, that life, and the word he uses for life is not this life. He's talking about eternal life here. So eternal life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That the old adage is that it's he who dies with the most stuff that wins. Jesus is saying that is false. It doesn't matter if you've got a boat, doesn't matter if you've got a $2 million property on the beach, whatever it is, that doesn't matter to eternal life, is Jesus' point here. And that's why he's saying be on your guard against accumulating all this stuff. He continues and he tells a parable. And a parable is just a story intended to make a point. So if you ever read some of these wacky stories Jesus tells, the entire point is, is there's a point to it. So he says this, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And that's great. So he's planted something and it's grown heaps. Fantastic. He thought to himself, you know, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So this guy has made more than he has the capacity for. It's a good day for this bloke. Great day for him. Jesus continues with this story. The man says this, this is what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Seems logical. And there I will store, and a key word is store, there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, this is the guy speaking to himself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat and drink and be merry. But God said to the man, you fool, That's pretty strong. You fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus concludes his story, verse 21. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Now this is a very confronting story, particularly to an affluent area like this. And the truth we discover in this passage is that it doesn't matter how much money you have necessarily, it's how you view your money and how you use your money that makes a difference. And in this parable, which is ironically called the parable of the rich fool, uh, Jesus describes the mindset of the rich and he demonstrates that a life orientated towards riches is actually a life orientated towards death. 
Though there is no indication of ill-gotten gain, he didn't kind of embezzle funds to make a whole bunch of money. He hasn't done insider trading. He hasn't done anything dodgy to make this money. There's no indication he's done something bad. It quickly becomes apparent that this rich man is not rich towards God. And while there is nothing necessarily wrong with thinking about a certain course of action, you know, what am I going to do? I've just got a whole bunch of money. What am I going to do with that? There's nothing wrong with that. This man is clearly fixated on his wealth and the comfort that it will bring him in this life. He says this, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat and drink and be merry. Now, the emphasis on this life is very important. In the context, what that word means is literally this. The whole natural being and life of a person for which one concerns themselves and of which they take constant care. The layman's dictionary definition of that is what you care about is what your life is about. So what Jesus is saying here is that this man cares about money And so his entire life is focused on how can I get more or how can I be as comfortable as I possibly can be in this life. That is his focus. That is his energy. For the rich man, this is a life in which all hope rests in things, in the things that he has. And unfortunately for this man and all of those who are like him, that life doesn't end very well. You're going to get a statement from God like, you fool. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. This is how it will be with whoever stores up for themselves but is not rich towards God. I warned you ahead of time, this is not a very comfortable message. I'll continue. So what specifically distinguishes those who are rich and those who are rich towards God? Because it's pretty important to make sure you're on the good end of this. So the rich are selfish and this life focused. And we see that clearly in this guy. Whereas those who are rich towards God are community and next life focused. So you've got the rich, all they care about is themselves and their comfort, and this life. You've got the rich towards God, they care about the people around them, and they care about the things to come, what's going to come in the next life. So what's crystal clear about this man is his selfishness. He's got a complete disregard for other people and he's got a life focused on the here and now. And you read that in verse 18 and 19. He uses the first person pronoun lots of times. Listen to this. He refers to his crops as my crops, which they are his crops, but we won't talk about that. They're my crops, they're my barns, and it's my surplus grain. It's mine. My crops, my barns, my surplus grain, it's all mine. And he says this, that you, you know what, I have plenty of grain stored up for myself for many years. I can take life easy. I can eat. I can drink. I can be merry. It's all about me. That's what this guy's life is about. And this way of living is foolishness, according to Jesus. What is missing is an awareness of the community's voice and needs. What is missing is an understanding of stewardship and a consideration of the plight of other people. And the irony of all of this comes at the end of Luke chapter 12 and verse 33 and 34, and Josh has got it. Jesus says this to the crowd, same crowd, 
Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. You know, while this man's wealth will fail him, Jesus encourages the crowd and us to make a kingdom investment which will never wear out, fail, be stolen, or be destroyed. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail when no thief comes near and no moth destroys. You know, had this man sold his possessions, sold this excess grain that he had no use for, it's just sitting in storage, you know, had he gone and sold that, and given the proceeds to the poor, Jesus says, you know what, he would have provided for himself a treasure in heaven. He would have provided himself with a treasure that would never have worn out. He wouldn't have had to worry about what's going to happen when he dies, that he can't take it with him in his coffin. He already had treasure up there. It wouldn't have been stolen. He wouldn't have to worry about a security system for the new barns. A treasure that he would have had with him for eternity a treasury that would never expire. And what Jesus is emphasizing is the, the, is it the rich, sorry, the crux of the passage is verse 34, though. It says this, Jesus says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I want to emphasize this verse because what Jesus says is that money is not necessarily the issue. The fundamental issue is the heart. The fundamental issue is the heart, that they have a heart problem, that their hearts depend on money for certainty, that their hearts depend on the stock exchange continuing to go up so that their superannuation and all of their term deposits continue to go up and they have money for retirement. Their hearts are depending on something which is not dependable, is what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying that that is foolish. That that's foolish to depend on money. Because money can't buy you eternal life. Because money fails. Because money is unpredictable. Because money can get stolen. Money is a lousy God, is Jesus' point. It's foolish to set our hearts on the false certainty of money. And I love what one commentator writes. They write this, that if one's heart is tied to worldly things, one's heavenly treasure will be bankrupt. If our hearts are tied to worldly things, then our heavenly treasure will be bankrupt. That's not a bank balance, I want to say zero, to be honest. So the rich are selfish and this life focused, whereas the rich towards God are God focused, community focused, and next life focused focused. So the question is, well, how, how can we be more rich towards God than rich? I think that's an important question, that if we recognize in ourselves that, you know what, I am rich, I am selfish, I only care about me and my comfort, and that's pretty much it, then how, how can we turn that corner uh, to change? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to put our hope in God. Then we need to change where our heart's center is. And I read that passage for offering before from Paul. It reminds us of the gospel for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich and he was loaded, he created everything, all the money in the world, that though he had everything, 
he became poor so that through his poverty that we could become rich. Not monetarily, but spiritually. So we need to put our hope in God, a God who was rich and yet became poor for us. Secondly, we need to build a habit, and I emphasize the word habit, uh, of generosity. It's all well and good to give money once off to a particular cause and then think, you know what, I've been a good person and look at me, I gave money. But building a habit of generosity is what's going to change your heart over a long period of time. Uh, For me, before I became a Christian, all I wanted to do was go work in Dubai and make a whole stack of money. That was my, that was my life beforehand. And so I, I studied Arabic for six months to hope that that would happen. I studied international studies and commerce. My entire life was all about money. Then I became a Christian, didn't care about it anymore, started giving it away. And that's not me boasting, that's just the life change that happened. Um, God changed my heart and he, he kind of led me to start giving more than getting. I cared more about other people than, than what I needed anymore. And so I'd encourage you to build a habit of generosity that as you think of a budget for 2021, that up the top of that under income that you put a giving amount. And I'm not going to give you a percentage. You can work that out yourself. But I encourage you to make that slightly uncomfortable because giving is a faith exercise because it forces you to start seeing God in the uncertain things. I have too many stories to share right now of how God has shown himself faithful when we've just given a whole bunch of money that we didn't have away. So build a habit of generosity. Then I encourage you to lift up your eyes and look at the reality of the neighborhood around you. It's easy for us to get on the bike or get uh, or walk down to the beach or go to the park or wherever and just kind of be in our own little world and not notice the refugee housing, which is on Beaconsfield Parade right next to the Catholic, I guess, castle you'd want to call it. There's some, there's some women in that refugee housing. One of them called us yesterday and we helped her out. There's refugees there. We've got housing commission people. We've got all sorts of people with, unfortunately, really sad lives around this area that we can help. So we need to lift up our eyes and look at the reality of our neighbourhood, that where there is rich people, there is always people in need. And then I'd encourage us to choose a need and meet it, individually but also as a church. And Kat, she's on leave right now, but Kat is working on, working on what are the, the needs in this community and how can we as a church fund those. And I'd encourage you, if you have a need, just let us know about that. But for you individually, I'd encourage you to choose a need. Maybe it's education in Africa. I support uh, an organisation called Children's Fortress Africa, which pays for school fees for kids. It only costs about 500 bucks a year and you pay for about four kids to have school in Africa. It might be one... 1,000 villages, whatever it is, choose a need um, and meet it. I just want to close with this passage again. Paul says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Let's pray. Father, talking about money is uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable, if we're honest, because we know that we rely too heavily on it. We know that our emotions change based on the number in our bank account. We know that our anxieties increase if it's lower than we hope it is. And so, Father, we just bring that to you. 
that we need to be real about that and we need to be real about the, the way that money impacts us. And Father, I just pray that you'd help us to trust you more. And for some of us here today, that's going to require us to put a percentage on a budget sheet of paper and to just start doing that. Because we need that discipline. Fathers of us, it's going to require us opening our eyes and seeing above our cars and our lives to the lives of other people in this area. And for other of us, Lord, we don't really have an excuse because we see the need and the brokenness and the hurt and we know the people by name and really all we need to do is just put our money where our mouth is. And so, Father, if that's us today, I just pray that you would show us grace, that you'd remind us that you did that for us because you love us. Help us to love, not just ourselves, but help us to love those around us the way that you love us. And that as we do that, that this community might change and that more people might come to know your son. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.